Mormon Discussions and its lineup of great podcasts is about helping Latter-day Saints like you tackle deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping these podcasts alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the programs on this podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber or making a donation at mormondiscussions.org. Again, that's Mormon Discussions, plural with an S on the end, dot org. Donate today and support programs like Mormon Discussion, Radio Free Mormon, Mormon Awakenings, The Mormon Wellness Project, Mormon History Podcast, Marriage on a Tightrope, and others. If these programs benefit you, and you want to see these continue, please consider making an annual donation starting today. All donations are tax-exempt inside the United States and go towards keeping the podcast alive. One, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode Church Sex Scandal Update Part 3 The Appeal. In prior episodes, I have detailed my efforts to obtain from the BYU Police Department an unredacted copy of the nine page police report of the investigation they conducted in November and December of 2017 of Joseph Bishop former MTC president, related to the allegations of his raping a sister missionary named McKenna Denson in 1984 when she was at the MTC and when Joseph Bishop was president of the MTC. You will recall that when this story broke on March 19, 2018, and the press sought to obtain a copy of the police reports, the first thing the BYU Police Department did was to supply the media with a copy of the police reports, which was almost completely redacted, which means it was almost completely blacked out, such that virtually nothing in the police reports could be read. The media pushed back, and the following day on Wednesday... March 21, 2018, the BYU Police Department supplied a much less redacted version of the police reports to the media. The problem is that there were still some lines and even complete paragraphs that remained redacted in the second version of police reports supplied to the media. It was because of this that I concluded that whereas the BYU Police did not want the media to know anything in the police reports originally, when push came to shove, they did release a less redacted version, and those parts of the police reports that remain redacted are the things that the police department really, really doesn't want the public to know about. Because of that, Radio Free Mormon started its own public disclosure requests of the BYU Police Department in order to attempt to obtain an unredacted copy of the police report so that we could see what is actually behind those lines that remain redacted in the police reports produced for the media. The first step was to write a letter to the custodian of records at the BYU Police Department requesting an unredacted copy of the police reports. And while I was at it, I also sent a letter to the custodian of records requesting a copy of the audio tape of the interview police conducted with Joseph Bishop back in early December of 2017 related to these allegations. 
In a prior podcast, I went over the reply from the records custodian, whose name is Lieutenant Messick with the BYU Police Department, M-E-S-S-I-C-K, whose response was that the BYU police would not be releasing anything to me different from what they had released to the media. The next step was to appeal his decision to the Chief of Police, Larry Stott, S-T-O-T-T, at the BYU Police Department, which I did and which I detailed in a prior podcast. I have now received back from Chief Stott his response to my appeal, and I will read it to you now on the air. Basically, he's telling me to go pound sand and that he will not be releasing anything more than has been released to the media. In other words, he is going to affirm the decision of Lieutenant Messick. Now, all of this is somewhat of a fiction, but it's a necessary fiction for us to go through this procedural administrative process in order to be able to appeal their decision to the State Records Committee. It is a basic tenet of administrative law that in order to appeal a decision by an administrative agency, one first has to exhaust one's administrative remedies. And that is what we are doing by going first to Lieutenant Messick and then to Chief Stott. The reason I say it's somewhat of a fiction is because Lieutenant Messick did not give his response to me independently. He checked with Chief Stott before he gave me his response. Now, I don't know that, know that, but it's pretty obvious that that's the case. So when I appealed Lieutenant Messick's decision to Chief Stott, I was pretty sure that I was going to be getting exactly what I got from Chief Stott, which is, no, we're not going to give you anything else, and I am going to sustain the decision of Lieutenant Messick, mainly because Chief Stott is sustaining the decision that he already gave to Lieutenant Messick to give to me originally. Here's the letter from Chief Stott. One thing I want to give to Chief Stott is that, unlike Lieutenant Messick, at least he did send me a letter that is on BYU letterhead. It is dated April 30th, 2018, and reads, Dear Radio Free Mormon, In reply to your request regarding Report 17BY-05023 and Joseph Bishop, Brigham Young University and its university police are not subject to GRAMA. Once again, GRAMA is the acronym for the Utah version of the Freedom of Information Act. So Chief Stott's first move is to say that the BYU police is not subject to grandma requests. This has been standard operating procedure for the BYU police department to respond to grandma requests in this fashion over the years. And in fact, this is what the BYU police department said to the Salt Lake Tribune in a related case that is now up on appeal in front of a judge in Utah. I am recording this on May 15th, 2018. Yesterday, on May 14th, 2018, the BYU police was in front of a judge in Utah defending its claim that it is not subject to grandma. The opposing party is the Salt Lake Tribune and their lawyers who are arguing that because the BYU police department has general police powers, it is in fact subject to grandma. Now, let me take a little bit of a diversion to explain to you what's going on in that other case. In that other case, which started in 2016, a female student at BYU was off campus and was the victim of sexual assault. She reported being the victim of sexual assault to the BYU police and then later found out that she was being subject to disciplinary action by the BYU Honor Code Office. Well, this raises the question as to how it is that if she reported being a victim of rape to the BYU Police Department, that suddenly the Honor Code Office now gets 
that information. They presumably got it from the BYU Police Department, which is the agency she reported it to. The Salt Lake Tribune was doing a story and continues to be doing a story on this issue. And as part of its investigation, the Salt Lake Tribune sent a gram of request to the BYU Police Department asking for any emails the police department had or any other communications they had with the Honor Code Office regarding these types of communications. So what the Salt Lake Tribune is trying to find out is, where is the connection? It's obvious there's a connection between the BYU Police Department and the Honor Code Office because the Honor Code Office had to find out about it somewhere, and the most likely suspect is from the BYU Police Department. So the Salt Lake Tribune wants to find out where are those communications that prove that link between the BYU Police Department and the Honor Code Office. In response to its request, the BYU Police Department said to the Salt Lake Tribune, as they're saying to me, that... Brigham Young University and its university police are not subject to grammar requests. And that is the issue that was before a judge yesterday on May 14th, 2018. I want to read to you an article from KUTV in Salt Lake City, Utah, about that hearing. Quote, a Utah judge is reviewing arguments from lawyers for Brigham Young University and the Salt Lake Tribune who are fighting over the release of police records. Both sides were in court Monday morning to present their cases to Judge Laura S. Scott, whose ruling could determine how the public accesses BYU police internal records. The first quote here in this story is from the Salt Lake Tribune lawyer, Michael O'Brien, who told Judge Scott in oral argument, BYU desperately wants to escape from the implications of public records laws, but I think that's impossible in this case. BYU denied a Salt Lake Tribune public records request in 2016, asking for communications between the department and the university's Title IX and Honor Code offices. BYU's Honor Code office investigates and disciplines students who violate the school's code of conduct. The Honor Code prohibits behaviors including alcohol consumption, extramarital sexual activity, swearing, and dishonesty. The Tribune sought the records as part of its coverage of campus sexual assaults and the case of Maddie Barney. That's the name of the female BYU student that I told you about. And the case of Maddie Barney, who claimed she was investigated for sexual misconduct by the Honor Code Office after reporting an off-campus sexual assault to Provo Police. The Government Records Access and Management Act, GRAMA, requires public entities like police departments to provide public access to department records, including communications such as emails, memos, and text messages. BYU denied the Tribune's request for records between BYU Police and the Honor Code Office in 2016. The Tribune appealed the denial to the State Records Committee. The committee denied the appeal, citing that BYU Police is not a governmental entity and hence not subject to grammar. So that's what the entire argument is about. Is the BYU Police Department a quote-unquote governmental entity such that it is subject to the requirements of grammar? Because grammar applies only to governmental entities. It is governmental entities that are required to be transparent and required to respond to public records requests, not private entities. So the BYU Police is saying there, as they're saying here, that they are not subject to grammar because they are not a governmental entity, and that is what the entire argument hinges on. Salt Lake Tribune lawyer O'Brien is quoted again as saying, I think it's a terrible precedent to have somebody exercising police power and not having a check or review on that. 
The Salt Lake Tribune appealed the State Records Committee denial by filing a lawsuit for the records in November of 2016. And you can get an idea for what a protracted process this can be. That was in November of 2016 that they filed their lawsuit in the state courts of Utah. And now it is May of 2018 and they're just getting around to having their arguments about whether the BYU Police Department is subject to grandma and whether the Salt Lake Tribune can get access to the records that they have requested two years ago in 2016. Back to the article. In court Monday, BYU lawyers again argue that the school's police department is not subject to grandma. While BYU employs state-certified police officers, the school's Deputy General Counsel, Stephen M. Sandberg, so Stephen M. Sandberg is the lawyer for BYU. Stephen M. Sandberg argued the agency is not a governmental entity because it was established by a private university. Here's what Sandberg said. University police is unique in Utah, but it's not the only one that could exist. In his argument, Sandberg says grandma laws only apply to agencies which were created by and administered by qualifying government entities. The BYU police have functioned as a state-certified law enforcement agency since the late 1970s. Before that time, the officers with BYU police were sworn Provo City officers and previously were sworn deputies of the Utah County Sheriff's Office. BYU police is now a state-certified law enforcement agency. Sandberg argued extensively that because BYU police is a creation of the university, it is not a public entity and therefore not subject to the grandma law. We are an agency of Brigham Young University, Sandberg said. In questioning Sandberg, Judge Scott said it appeared BYU wanted it both ways. Isn't this a definition that cuts both ways? Judge Scott questioned Attorney Sandberg. When you don't want to release records, you're not a government entity. Can you really have it both ways? That's the question the judge asked the attorney for BYU. Judge Scott took the arguments under advisement and said she may issue a ruling on the case in June or July. So we have to wait now into June or July to get Judge Scott's ruling to find out whether she rules that BYU is subject to grandma or whether it is not. Regardless of Judge Scott's ruling, it is assumed the losing side will appeal. The attorney for the Salt Lake Tribune said, I think it's impossible for them to squirm out of the implications of grandma. I think that BYU police operate with integrity. So do many other police departments. And part of the reason they do is because they are subject to public review and public accountability. So going back to the letter that was written to me as part of my request for the police reports, an unredacted copy of the police reports in the Joseph Bishop case, Chief Larry Stott starts out with their fallback position, which is that the BYU police is not subject to grandma, and we're going to have to wait a couple of months to find out what this judge says, Judge Scott, in an unrelated case, as to whether, in fact, they are subject to grandma. But for now, this is their position. Now, Chief Stott is going to go on and say, hey, we're not subject to grandma. We don't have to provide you anything. But regardless of that, it is our policy that we are going to comply with grandma, even though we're not subject to it. And we're going to provide you everything that we would normally be required to provide you under grandma, sort of as a courtesy because we're good guys. But then he's going to go on to say, hey, but we're not going to give you any more redactions uncovered in these police reports because it would involve a clearly unwarranted invasion of personal privacy of individuals involved in the case. Let me get back to this letter from Chief Stott, dated April 30th. Brigham Young University and its university police are not subject to grammar. However, as a matter of internal practice, 
upon proper request, university police releases law enforcement records that would not be classified under grandma as private, controlled, or protected, and those are three classifications of records under grandma, private, controlled, and protected. University police releases law enforcement records that would not be classified under grandma as private, controlled, or protected, or that would not otherwise be protected from disclosure under grandma. University police also does not disclose FERPA-protected records or any records protected from disclosure under any other federal or state laws or privileges. Okay, so that's a wordy paragraph saying we're not subject to grandma. Nevertheless, upon proper request, we go ahead as a matter of practice and release records that are not protected by grandma or any other federal statute. The letter goes on. In this case, the requested recordings and redacted information are private records under Utah Code 63G2302, because disclosure of the information would constitute a clearly unwarranted invasion of personal privacy of individuals involved in the case. So that's the reason Chief Stott is giving for not providing a less redacted version of the police reports that I am requesting. You have the right to appeal this decision to the State Records Committee or District Court. You have 30 days to make your appeal. Sincerely, Chief Larry Stott, Brigham Young, Police Department. So to be clear, Chief Stott is claiming that giving me a less redacted version of the police reports would constitute a clearly unwarranted invasion of personal privacy of individuals involved in the case, and that is his reason for not producing to me a less redacted version of the police reports than was produced to the media back in March of 2018. Now we are in an interesting position here at Radio Free Mormon. Because not only am I in possession of the police reports that were given to the media back in March of 2018, since that time, I have come into possession of a separate copy of the police reports in which three elements that were redacted for the media are not redacted in this copy of the police reports. And I went over those in a prior podcast. Those three elements that are not redacted in my alternate version of the police reports, but that remain redacted in the media's version of police reports, involve number one, a second victim of Joseph Bishop that he confessed to when he was interviewed by the BYU Police Department. This was a second victim who he gave a back rub to that involved rubbing her buttocks, and this happened when this sister missionary was staying at the home of Joseph Bishop. The second part I have found that was unredacted has to do with the existence of a six-page statement that McKenna Denson sent to the police department as part of their investigation. And the third part has to do with the existence of an audio recording of the interview BYU police did when they drove to Arizona to speak with Joseph Bishop regarding the allegation of the rape at the MTC in 1984. So, as I say, we are in a unique position now to evaluate the claim of Chief Stott as to why it is he is not going to produce a less redacted version of the police reports than what was given to the media because we already know what is behind some of those redacted portions in the version that was given to the media. And those are the three things I just summarized. The existence of a second victim, the existence of a six-page statement by McKenna Denson to the police, and the existence of the audio recording of the interview with Joseph Bishop. And yet Chief Stott says that the reason he is not going to redact the police reports sufficient even for us to know about those things is because disclosure of the information would constitute a clearly unwarranted invasion 
of personal privacy of individuals involved in the case. Well, now that is an out-and-out lie, Chief Stott. I mean, I was born at night, but not last night, okay? First off, the version that I received through alternative means does not provide the name of the second victim. That remains redacted, but what it does say is that a second victim exists. That does not constitute a clearly unwarranted invasion of personal privacy because the name of the victim is redacted. So simply the existence of a second victim is not a basis under grammar to not provide me that information and unredact that portion of the police reports. And the other two examples are even more clear. The very existence of an audio recording of the interview police did with Joseph Bishop has nothing to do with constituting a clearly unwarranted invasion of personal privacy of individuals involved in the case. How does letting me know that an audio recording exists fall under that category? And similarly, how does the existence of a six-page statement written by McKenna Denson to police as part of their investigation constitute a clearly unwarranted invasion of personal privacy of individuals involved in the case? It is clear that this is a smokescreen. It is clear that this is a cover-up. It is clear that the reason the BYU police do not want to provide me a less redacted version of the police reports is the same reason they didn't want to provide a less redacted version of the police reports to the media because they do not want the public to know that there exists this six-page statement written by McKenna Denson. They do not want the public to know that there exists an audio recording of their interview with Joseph Bishop, and they do not want the public to know that there exists a second victim of Joseph Bishop when he was president of the MTC. Now, I want to circle back for a few minutes to the comments that Judge Scott made at the hearing last Monday regarding the argument that BYU was making that the BYU police is not a government agency. Judge Scott said it seemed to her that BYU wanted to have it both ways. When it suits them, they want to be a government agency. But when it doesn't suit them, they don't want to be a government agency. And obviously, in that case, BYU is arguing that it is not a government agency and is therefore not subject to the Grandma Law. Now, what Judge Scott may have been referring to by making that comment is a classic example in a different case of the BYU Police Department wanting to be considered a government agency. That case is called Mallory v. Brigham Young University. It was a case that wound its way all the way up to the Utah Supreme Court which held effectively that the BYU Police Department is a government agency. The facts in that case, Mallory versus Brigham Young University, are as follows. Brigham Young University was having a big spring football game on April 12, 2008. There were roughly 16,700 people in attendance at the spring football scrimmage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah. Now, there's a lot of people there, there's a lot of traffic coming in, there's a lot of traffic leaving the game, and the BYU Police Department was in charge of traffic control. Following the game, a BYU traffic cadet was directing traffic under the supervision of a BYU peace officer, that means a BYU police officer. And as the BYU traffic cadet was directing traffic out of the parking lot of the stadium, Mallory, the plaintiff in the lawsuit, was riding a motorcycle, came out into the road, and was hit by a car and suffered injuries. Mallory, as a result, filed suit against BYU, claiming damages. After he had filed suit, and after some time had gone by, BYU filed a motion to dismiss 
the lawsuit. Why did they file the motion to dismiss the lawsuit? Well, because there is a law in Utah and a similar law in most states in the union that if a person is going to sue a governmental agency, then prior to filing suit, they have to file a notice of claim with the government agency that they intend to sue. And in Utah, that notice of claim must be filed within one year of the incident. Mr. Mallory did not file his notice of claim with BYU within one year of the incident. And BYU's position was that because he failed to file a notice of claim, the lawsuit should be dismissed. Critical to BYU's argument was that the BYU Police Department must be considered a government agency. Otherwise, they would have no motion to dismiss. As I say, this case wound its way up to the Utah Supreme Court, who in 2014 issued their opinion agreeing with BYU that the BYU Police Department was a government agency and that the traffic cadet was indeed under the control and authority of BYU police at the time of the incident. Therefore, because Mr. Mallory did not file a notice of claim as required under the law when suing a governmental agency within one year of the incident, his case was thrown out. So you can see then that the BYU police, when it suits them, wants to be a government agency, as in the case of Mallory versus BYU, which ended up being a successful position to take. But on the other hand, when it comes to being subject to grandma laws, BYU police does not want to be a government agency so that it does not have to comply with requests for information made to the BYU Police Department. So, in response to Chief Stott's denial of my request for an unredacted copy of the police report, I have drafted an appeal to the State Records Committee, which will be filed on Thursday, May 17th, with the State Records Committee, and a copy of this appeal will be served on the BYU Police Department on the same day as required by the grammar statute for appeals of this sort. I will tell you that one of the joys of doing this podcast is that I have made contact with a number of like-minded individuals across the country, many of them attorneys. And in the last several weeks, one such attorney who practices in Salt Lake City reached out to me because of this podcast and volunteered his services to help in any way that he could with the service of this appeal on the State Records Committee, as well as on the BYU Police Department. And he will, on Thursday, May 17th, personally drive the original of this appeal to the State Records Committee, and he will then personally drive a copy of it to serve on the BYU Police Department. And although this attorney wishes to remain anonymous, I would like to take the opportunity to publicly thank him on this podcast. Here is the content of the appeal, which I am filing with the State Records Committee, with the help of my friend. Dated May 9, 2018, State Records Committee. RE, Appeal of Grandma Denial by Brigham Young University Police, comes now the undersigned requester, Radio Free Mormon, and pursuant to Utah Code 63G403, hereby respectfully appeals the grandma denial by the Brigham Young University, BYU, Police Department to his grandma requests, and in support thereof would show the Records Committee the following. Procedural History March 30th, 2018. Requester, that's me, requester sent a grandma request to the custodian of records at the BYU Police Department requesting any and all records relating to Incident Report 17BY05023 
relating to your investigation of Joseph Bishop in November and December of 2017. A true and correct copy of this letter is attached here to as Exhibit A and incorporated by reference. April 10th, 2018. BYU Police Department Records Custodian Lieutenant Stephen Messick mailed a letter to requester stating, Here's the information that is being released on this case. A less redacted report will not be issued. A true and correct copy of this letter is attached as Exhibit B. Attached here to as Exhibit C is the nine-page BYU Police Department report mailed me by Lieutenant Messick, which contains substantial redactions. April 18, 2018. Requester sent a two-page grammar appeal to Chief Larry A. Stott of the BYU Police Department, specifically identifying the sections of the police report that remain redacted and requesting a less redacted copy. A true and correct copy of this letter is attached as Exhibit D. April 18, 2018. On the same date, requester sent a grammar request to the BYU Police Custodian of Records requesting any and all audio recordings of interviews conducted pursuant to the above-referenced investigation. As a brief side note, please remember that although the BYU Police Department is redacting its police reports to the media in order to hide the fact that these audio recordings exist and is doing the same thing with the redacted copies of the reports they are releasing to me, I, as well as some others, have learned of their existence through alternative means. A true and correct copy of this letter is attached here to as Exhibit E. April 30th, 2018, Chief Larry A. Stott of the BYU Police Department sent requester a letter denying my grandma appeal asserting the requested recordings and redacted information are private records. Now, hang on a second. Notice that he mentions not only the police reports I've requested, but also the recordings. He says, the requested recordings and redacted information are private records under Utah Code 63G-2-302 because disclosure of the information would constitute a clearly unwarranted invasion of personal privacy of individuals involved in the case. A true and correct copy of this letter is attached here to as Exhibit F. It is apparent by this letter that Chief Larry A. Stott has now issued his grammar denial on both my requests for an unredacted copy of the police reports as well as my request for any and all audio recordings of interviews conducted pursuant to the above-referenced investigation. Appeal to Records Committee. Accordingly, pursuant to Utah Code 63G403, the undersigned requester hereby appeals the grandma denial by Chief Larry Stodd of the BYU Police Department to the Utah State Records Committee. Then there's a long section which covers the law and argument relating to my request and why it should be granted. I will just read the last two paragraphs of that section. Requester is aware that a legitimate reason for redacting police reports and grammar requests is to redact names and identifying information of witnesses and victims, but the redactions of the police reports at issue constitute entire sentences and even paragraphs. In short, it seems clear that the redactions in these reports are being used for more than simply obscuring names and identifying information of witnesses and victims. Additionally, the BYU Police Department claims to not be subject to grandma. It is my understanding a court ruling in an unrelated case should be issued on May 14, 2018. When I wrote this, I was hoping that Judge Scott would actually issue her ruling from the bench, but no, she has reserved ruling and instead it will be out in the next 60 days. Nevertheless, the appeal, which is already filed, states should be issued on May 14, 2018, which should give the Records Committee some guidance in this area. For purposes of this appeal, I will state that the granting to the BYU Police Department of statewide jurisdiction, together with the police power to bear firearms, would tend to negate that claim. Conclusion. 
Respecter respectful <laughs> requester respectfully asks the State Records Committee to grant my appeal and order the BYU Police Department to provide me a properly redacted copy of the police reports, together with a properly redacted copy of the audio recordings of interviews related to this investigation. Sincerely, Radio Free Mormon. As I say, that appeal is scheduled to be filed Thursday, May 17th, with the State Records Committee in Utah, and a copy served, as required by statute, on the BYU Police Department. It has come to my attention during this process that a number of different people, unbeknownst to me, have been making similar requests and are at different levels in the appeals process. For instance, KUTV has made a public records request for the audio recording of the interview with Joseph Bishop, the same as I have done. I do not know that KUTV has made a similar request for an unredacted copy of the police reports. Nevertheless, KUTV already has a hearing scheduled, I believe, in front of a district judge in Utah on their request, and we will see how that develops. It has also come to my attention that Mormon Leaks has filed a public information request for the same audio recordings, and that they currently are scheduled before the State Records Committee for a hearing on the issue on, I believe, June 14th of 2018. We will see what the State Records Committee does with my appeal. It would not surprise me, however, to learn that in the interest of economy, they schedule my appeal on the same date as the Mormon Leaks appeal. As always, I will keep you apprised as to what develops at every step of the way. One other story that I need to mention here before closing regarding the updates on the McKenna-Denson case suing the LDS Church and Joseph Bishop is that the LDS Church has now filed a motion as of Monday, May 14th, to have her case dismissed based upon the argument that the statute of limitations has run and that therefore her case should be thrown out of court. The Deseret News ran an article on this on May 15th reporting on the filing of the church's motion the day before. In the article it states, The LDS Church and a former Missionary Training Center president asked the federal judge in separate court filings Tuesday to dismiss a Colorado woman's lawsuit, that's McKenna Denson, alleging the church leader raped her while she was a missionary there in early 1984. Both the church and Joseph L. Bishop say the statute of limitations on McKenna Denson's claims ran out years before she brought her allegations forward. Joseph Bishop has a new attorney, no longer is his son representing him as his attorney. And for some reason, which may or may not be related, Joseph Bishop's son, Greg Bishop, has resigned from the company where he worked as their attorney. It is not known whether this is related to his representation of his father and the bad press he got in engaging in the tactics he used to discredit McKenna Denson while he was representing his father. Nevertheless, it does appear to be a fact that he is no longer working for the company where he was employed for a number of years. Joseph Bishop's new lawyer is Andrew Dice, or Deese, D-E-I-S-S. At any rate, Bishop's new lawyer wrote in the filing, The purpose of statutes of limitations is clear. They are legislative expressions of public policy that encourage potential plaintiffs to bring their actions promptly before the causes get stale from lost evidence or faulty memories. Here, Ms. Denson waited decades to bring the causes of action in the complaint, and they are time-barred as a result. The LDS Church's attorney, David Jordan, contends Denson's assault claim expired in early 1985, one year after the alleged rape, and her emotional distress claims expired in early 1988. 
Thus, quoting from his brief, thus any claim Ms. Denson may have had expired over 30 years ago and should be dismissed. He wrote, Denson, 55, of Pueblo, Colorado, sued Bishop, 85, of Chandler, Arizona, and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints last month in U.S. District Court for sexual assault and battery, negligent and intentional infliction of emotional distress, fraud, fraudulent non-disclosure, and fraudulent concealment. Joseph Bishop has denied the allegations. The lawsuit asks for a jury trial seeking damages for loss of earnings and to pay for medical and legal expenses. It also asks that a jury direct the church to change its policies. McKenna Denson claims Joseph Bishop is a lifelong sexual predator and that he confessed as much to his ecclesiastical leader in the late 1970s. That would be Elder Wells, as you may recall. In 1984, the statute of limitations for rape in Utah was four years. The suit, however, claims the statute of limitations for fraud has not run out because Denson first learned the church had taken no action against Bishop in December 2017. The lawsuit claims Denson made 10 reports about Bishop to various LDS leaders over the years without learning if any action had been taken against him. David Jordan, the church's attorney, wrote that Denson appears to contend in her lawsuit that although she discovered that Joseph Bishop was not a safe, honorable, and trustworthy person in 1984, she did not discover until December 2017 that the church knew he was a sexual predator at the time he was placed in a leadership position at the MTC. That's the end of the story. What all this gets into is whether the statute of limitations has run. And there are a lot of different considerations that the judge will have to take into account in making his or her ruling at the hearing. I am not sure when that hearing is set. I expect it will be sometime this summer. My additional understanding is that the case is basically on hold until the judge makes the decision on this issue. In other words, discovery cannot go forward. Witnesses cannot be deposed. Subpoenas cannot be issued until the judge rules on this motion. So this is a critical threshold issue that McKenna Denson will have to overcome in order to pursue her lawsuit against the church. And I will keep you apprised as to what develops in that regard as well. Finally, I have to say on a personal note that all of the investigation and all the reporting I have done on the McKenna Denson lawsuit has caused me to postpone my customary review of General Conference from April of 2018. It has now been over a month since we had the General Conference, and I do hope at some point to be able to present to you at least four episodes relating to General Conference that I have already sketched out. I am looking forward to preparing those podcasts and getting them out to you as soon as humanly possible. That's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.